0: You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. My name is Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. It is a pleasure and an honor to have you back for the next half hour as we go over this week's topic of shame, anxiety, and negative feelings in general. But really, this is going to be a conversation about shame. And I almost throw all those other words around it because shame is such a difficult conversation to have with oneself. It's a very difficult conversation to have with other people. um, Because in... Being shameful and admitting that you have shame, uh, there's a vulnerability there that a lot of us have a hard time expressing. Even in addiction recovery, where we'll sit in meetings and tell people about the things that we do, the things that we've done that you know, brought us to those meetings. In a lot of cases, in fact, for me, the case is that I don't feel shame in those rooms because I know that other people there have a similar story. Other people have lived a similar life. That's why they're sitting in this room with me. It's when we go out into the rest of the world and people aren't as familiar with addiction recovery and sobriety and everything that comes with that, that all of a sudden discussing this stuff becomes much more difficult. Uh, when in fact, you know, let's face it, most of the people out there have things that they're not proud of and most people are dealing with an addiction of some sorts that they have not even begun to unwrap, let alone are willing to discuss in a public forum. Um, When I think about my shame, it brings a lot of anxiety, um, mostly because of, so here's my thing on anxiety. I believe that anxiety is the fear of what will happen in the future. It's also a fear of your actions from the past coming back to haunt you in the future, right? So if you didn't study for a test and then the anxiety you're going to have going into that test will be that you're not going to do well. When you're done, you still have anxiety because until you get that grade, it's your actions from the past coming back to haunt you in the future. I didn't study, so now I'm going to have to pay for it later. Um, the anxiety I would feel in the morning waking up from a hard night of drinking would be that of, did I do something wrong? Did I, did I damage my car? Did I insult a friend? Did I hurt someone's feelings? Did I, hurt, did I do something bad? Did I pay my tab? Did, Whatever it was, once I talked to enough people and realized that my actions weren't that appalling, then the anxiety went away. You don't have anxiety for your actions from the past. You have regret and shame, which can bring about anxiety because of what you think will happen or what you think of yourself and what that could mean for your future. Um, In my research for this episode, um, and one of the reasons why I'm really diving heavily into this right now is I've been... um, audible uh, which is an app where you can listen to um, books on tape. Uh, I've been listening to uh, Brene Brown, uh, her book Daring Greatly. I've been listening to John Bradshaw's Homecoming, which is a book about um, unearthing all of the childhood shame that has been haunting us for our whole lives and really going in there and unearthing the trauma. And then I've also been reading the book Untethered Soul, and so between Daring Greatly, Homecoming, and Untethered Soul, a lot has been getting um, unearthed in me. I've been sifting in, in, through a lot, and I've been shifting a lot. And whenever I have all of these shifts, what ends up happening is it becomes a very overwhelming to me. You know, um, I feel emotions just like anyone else. Uh, I don't necessarily express them outwardly as well as other people, and I believe that those that know that that's a weakness of mine will be able to, they're able to poke at it. I'm sure you have these experiences in your life where people who whether they're cl- whether they're really close to you or not, if they've just had an opportunity to learn more about you, maybe they've seen some things on social media. For me, they could easily listen to the podcast. It's not too hard to figure out what some of my trigger points are when you listen to the show enough, and then you can start throwing out words like integrity and, and gratitude. And um, when you have that opportunity to do so, that can trigger things within me, and that's fine. I'm I'm great with the triggering. Uh, within me, because that just tells me that there's something that I haven't worked on enough that I that I need to work on more. And I love inner work. It's just that when I go through these inner working um, opportunities, you know, it it can be uh, uncomfortable, and we all know what that uncomfort can be like. Whether it's talking to our sponsor, it's it's going to refuge or AA meetings, whatever it might be. You know, we've we've talked about my triad. Of um, gratitude, humility, and integrity. And I really put a lot of effort into making sure that I'm operating within those worlds as often as possible. I'm not perfect. Uh, I don't ever expect to be perfect because I know that I'm human. Uh, so whenever I have these moments, that's whenever I get to dive in and say, okay, what is it exactly that I'm feeling? You know, what is it that I've done? See, One thing we all know by now is that we are responsible for our own actions and only our own actions. Maturity, and this is stuff that I've read and and things that I've, I've begun to really put together in my sobriety and my addiction recovery, is that maturity comes from accepting responsibility for our actions. It also comes from realizing that I am not responsible for someone else's reaction, response, or actions. If they put themselves in a position that allows them to be influenced by my actions, I have done that right whatever I do, I can influence somebody else's um, re, you know reaction or response or actions. I can certainly influence that. You know if somebody says, "Do I look good in this pair of jeans and you say, "No, you 're a hideous monster right you 're the ugliest person I 've ever met. Why on earth would you be wearing those jeans?" Their response back could be of laughter. They could think that you're joking. They could realize you're joking. Or their response back could be of anger because you've triggered something in them that they hear a bit of truth, even if what you were was joking. Or their response could just be anger because they realized you were being serious and you just called them a hideous, ugly monster. Either way, I'm responsible for what I said back to them, but I only influence their response. They can still choose whether to laugh it off or be angry. Right From my response from my actions. I need to evaluate what I did and I need to ask myself these important questions. Why did I do what I did? Right? So in my notes, I have, why did I do it? Okay. And a lot of this is going back to the why, what, how, what if, because this is the learning styles that I've talked about in the past. Why did I do it? What was the driver behind my actions? how can I behave, act, and respond in a better way next time? And what if a similar situation shows itself? What if a similar situation presents itself in my life? What will I do then? What will my driver then be for the response or the actions that I will uh, go forward with? Now, you can only future pace so far you don't really know what you'll do when put into a similar situation. You hope that you've learned enough from whatever you've done to know that you want to react differently, right? If you know that when you go into a bar, you start to crave alcohol, it causes you to be mean to people around you because what you really want is to be able to drink, but you realize that you can't, right? Then in the future, you need to say, well, why did you even go into the bar? Well, I wanted to watch sports with my friends. Okay. That's a reasonable enough answer. I've I go to bars, and it's to watch sports with my friends. What was the driver behind my actions? I wanted to have connections with my friends. They wanted to go to the sports bar to watch the game, so therefore I did that. How can I behave, act, and respond in a better way next time? Well, for me, I don't get triggered by alcohol when I go into the sports bar anymore. But, okay, not any... not ever. Let me take that back. The triggers are, le- are, are less frequent. It still can happen when the beer shows up from the waiter or waitress and you know, it passes within smelling distance of me. Yes, there, there's that minor trigger. But I remind myself that the driver behind why I came to that sports bar was to connect with my friends. So then I'll conversate with them more. I'll talk more about the football game. I'll get more excited about why I'm there and less focused on the alcohol that is around me and in the future if a similar situation presents itself you know what will i do okay well beer and alcohol are going to be around me when i'm at the sports bar what will i do i will just tell myself that you know i am more than happy with my sobriety i i am very very happy with my sobriety, in fact, and that what they're doing is not what I'm doing. And it's okay that they're drinking alcohol around me. That does not need to influence me to want to drink alcohol. My driver is and always will be, I go to the sports bar to connect with my friends and watch the game. So if I start to let my mind drift off to what alcohol would would make that experience be like, I go back to the connection, right? We've learned a lot about this in, in our meetings about addiction, The opposite of addiction is connection. So if you're going to go into situations where there's alcohol, then connect. And if people start getting so inebriated that you feel like they can't connect anymore, that's for me the sign to leave. All right. So before I don't want to get too far off into that, but that just that just came up and I just riffed off of that. But let's go back to the shame because going through these books that I have been going through lately, um, it brings up a lot about shame and. It's a reminder that um make so remind me, is this really shame? You know, in Brene Brown's the Daring Greatly, she talks about how shame she describes shame as intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And that's powerful, guys. I'm gonna repeat that again. That shame is the intense painful feeling or experience of believing. We are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I know that you guys can understand this. I know some of you have experienced this in the very recent past. Everyone is worthy of love and belonging. All right, We are flawed because we're humans. That's just the way that it is. Step one, get over the fact that we're flawed. And for me, I don't feel that I'm worthy of love. I have a hard time with belonging. And, and I know from going through John Bradshaw's Homecoming book, this stems from my childhood. All right. Brene Brown talks about in, in, in her book that it's not the best approach to believe that we're flawed and, and unworthy of love and belonging because it, because the less we talk about shame, the more power it has on our lives. And that's her quote. The less we talk about shame, the more power it has on our lives. If we cultivate enough awareness about shame to name it and to speak to it, we've basically cut it off at the knees. Right? And so this is something really to understand when it comes to shame, is that if we allow it to stay hidden, if we allow it to be obstructed, if we if we if we hide those emotions, then they become destructive to us. All right. Emotions happen all the time. It's like, it's, it's like our breathing. It's like our blinking. It's like the feeling of being hungry. It's going to happen. The sun rises, the sun sets, so do emotions constantly come up. It's when we try to block them that that is where the pain comes from. That's where the problems really arise from. I had so much shame, um, or if that was even the right name for it, you know, I just had a lot of trauma from my childhood and I'm finding myself now in my sobriety and recovery, I'm putting myself in a lot of similar situations as to what I went through back in my childhood, my tween and teenage years, and certainly my twenties and thirties as if I'm trying to relive them to see if I can make them turn out, and I'm using air quotes here, better. There is no going back and making a situation from your past better. Whatever we did then was then, and whatever we're doing now is now. Getting beyond shame is acknowledging it, sharing our experiences with people that, that trust us, who know that we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But when you find those people that, that know, trust, and like you, that love you, they'll give you that empathy that you lack with yourself. I am extremely hard on myself. You need to have empathy for yourself. If others will if others provide that for you so that you can keep that sense of shame and perspective, then that is awesome. Now, I I pulled some of this, there's an article called Five Ways to Silence Shame. Um, I might be able to put that in the show notes. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but if you Google um, Five Ways to Silence Shame, you can find uh, this article. You're going to you're going to hear a lot of the same verbiage um, because I enjoyed that article so much. And it was like it was like the first one on, on Psychology Today. And I went through some NLP trainings too to pull up some of this because, I, of course, my readings in those three books have been integral to all of this. Um, just acknowledge what it is that you feel shameful for. Okay? So in this Psychology Today book, it says... Uh, article I read. It uh, says, step one is bring shame and delight. So acknowledge what it is that you feel shameful for. Number two, it states you need to untangle what it is that you're feeling. Um, is it really shame? And in this part, it, it goes a little bit more in depth. And you know, I don't want to run off into a tangent on untangling it. But I th- I do think it's really important that I stress here that shame may not be what you're feeling. And this article really talks about it really well, is that you know, is it shame? Is it humiliation? Is it embarrassment? Really figure out what it is because shame means I am bad. Guilt means I did something bad. I have done bad things in my sobriety and recovery. I have talked about integrity and then not always lived my life with integrity. I know this. I have done things where I actively know they are of a non-integrity state and still kept going through with them. Now am I reliving these unconscious habits from my past? Am I trying to rectify situations that I that I experienced then that I'm trying to fix now? I'm always unwrapping this stuff, guys. Always. And I want you to realize that in this journey that we're on, there is no d- definitive ending. There is no answer to all of this. But when you're untangling what it is that you feel shame, ask yourself, is it shame, guilt, humiliation, embarrassment? I am bad? No, very few humans will go down in the annals of history as really bad people. Hitler, Genghis Khan, uh, there's some of these, you know, warlords that we have nowadays. Yes, they are definitely seen as bad by society. There, I remember once bringing up in a podcast or a paper somewhere, uh, there's always been that... um, there's, there, there's always been that, it's like the great trivia, it's like the great question. If you had a time machine, would you go back and kill baby Hitler? And because he is bad. He is seen worldwide as a bad person. I am not arguing that. Do not think that I am. But I don't think you go back in time and kill baby Hitler. I think you go back in time and you love baby Hitler. Because he was not born to commit the atrocities that he did. There was some things there was not some things there was a, a lot of things that just kept snowballing that led to what he ultimately did that that you know created World War two. People aren't bad by nature it's almost like they're bad by nurture, and that means that it can be undone now is there a willingness on their part to undo it? Charles Manson went to his grave, still pretty crazy right? No way that we're going to let that guy out. People will never not see him as a bad person. If he had been willing to open up into a different way of living, perhaps he would have gone up from being bad to just having done something bad, which would have been the guilt, right? And I know I'm using these crazy outlandish examples here, but my brain's just firing right now because I'm, I've just, I've got so much going through it that it's, it's really hard for me to even concentrate, but I'm doing my best, I think. <laughs> Shame means I am bad. Guilt means I did something bad. I have done things bad, but overall I am not a bad person. I mean well with what I do with my life. It just doesn't always uh, present itself to the public eye like that. All right, so number one, bring shame to light. Number two, untangle what it is you're feeling. Number three, unhitch what you do from who you are. Right? Separating Separating everything that we do from our sense of self-worth, it, it is wildly important. This article talks about it. If you I'll, let, me, let me see if I can read some of it off for you. Because I copied and pasted some of it to my show notes. Uh, we all want others to admire what we bring to the table, but what happens if they don't like our contribution? If our self-worth is attached to what we create or offer, the answer is that we may very well be devastated by a sense of shame that can cause us to retreat or lash out. I think about this... In, whenever I'm putting these podcasts together? What if this episode's not helpful? What if somebody listens to it for 30 minutes and doesn't learn anything? What if they walk away and go, this guy's a, an idiot? What if they read something on social media that makes them think that I'm a bad person? Well, you know What What if, what if, what if? I do know this, that what I'm doing out here is helping people. I've been contacted by two great friends over the last few weeks both wanting assistance into finding ways into addiction recovery centers uh, i've already I, I, and i didn't by any means going to take credit for what the, for what this one woman did, but she contacted me I gave her some options I gave her some i gave, I answered her questions next thing I know you know i no doubt she had tons of support with the people around her, but certainly I kept communicating with her she's now in an addiction recovery center. Another guy reaches out to me, I give him some answers. He says, thank you so much. I'm hoping that I hear from him in the future and that he's taken steps for that. I know that I'm helping people. I know that I'm not an idiot. I'm not wasting my time. But I also know that this is going to fall on deaf ears. I also know that people who've dealt with me in the past may never believe that I've changed and become a better person. I know that people who don't really know me very well but have very limited opportunities to see what I do other than perhaps this show might think of me uh, with less than a, a shining light because of what they've seen me do. I can't control anything about other people's perception of me. I can only control how I feel about myself, and I work on that. And I really want to stress that to you guys. You cannot control other people's perception of you in your sobriety and recovery journey. You can only control your perception of you. Separate yourself, this this sense of self-worth, from what it is that you create. Right, your whole identity isn't on the line whenever you go off and you make a mistake any more than your whole identity is on the line whenever you do something great. Right, I, I, it's just, it's not. Walter Payton is seen as the of one of the best uh, humanitarians that was in the NFL football game. They've named the, Walt, the, 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 the human of the year in the NFL after Walter Payton. It's called the Walter Payton Award. It's for the player who has donated the most of their time, made a huge impact on their community. At the same time, I remember reading a story about him from his, from his weekend of going into the NFL's Hall of Fame, where he brought his mistress around, um, and she wanted to be a part of everything, but his wife and his kids were there, and that, that caused this entire stink. Um, and it was just, it was really stressful for him and he did not have fun that weekend because he was trying to balance his mistress with his wife and and his children. The NFL gives the best human of the year award named after him, yet on his day of all days to be put into the most honorable institution that the NFL has, their Hall of Fame, he was doing something that was of very low integrity, right? Right. He wasn't a bad person, but what he was doing in that moment was something bad. Right? Now, from the mistress's point of view, it was great. She wanted to be a part of it. From the family's point of view, it was bad because they didn't want her interfering with their day. I say all of this because it doesn't take away from what he did as an amazing human being when he was involved in philanthropy. It doesn't take away what he did on the field. He just did some bad things, but it doesn't mean that he's a bad person. All right, and you may not even be into football, but I know that you can understand that storyline there. Because we've all done something bad where we've hurt other people, but it was something that we wanted to do. It was something that made us feel good and made someone else feel bad. I'm not responsible for that other person's feelings any more than you're responsible for everybody else's. They played their part to get them to the point where they were at, where you did what you did. It, it's all, it's a web, but it's also not. So just unhitch what you do from who you are. You are all doing something in the past that led you into addiction. I have no doubt that you stole, that you lied, you cheated, you, you, were, you, you hurt other people that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you did some bad things. And in your sobriety and recovery, you're equally going to do bad things. Maybe not as bad as it once was. You didn't get in a car and wreck it. You didn't, you know, cheat on your spouse. You didn't break someone's heart. You didn't steal from your mom, whatever it is. Yeah. You're doing different things now that are bad or hurtful on a different scale. Right. And it's, it's just, let's, let's, figure that out. Uh, I'm not going to say compartmentalize because it's all part of a bigger picture, but realize that you're getting better. You're doing things better and you're still going to do some bad things. Everybody plays their part in this scenario, right? So recognize, and step four in this article is recognize your triggers. Uh, The article states, one of your, one of shame's sneakiest tricks is its ability to hit us where we are most vulnerable, right? A man who worries that he doesn't measure up as a provider may see his spouse's comment about the neighbor's new car as an attempt to shame him rather than as an innocent observation. Right? I, anyone who knows me well enough who wants to trigger me isn't going to have a hard time figuring out what those triggers are, whether it's following my Instagram page or whether it's listening to me talk or whether it's certainly seeing me speak, and it's definitely this show. Our insecurities become our default for shame. What is it that triggers you to making you feel shame? Right? We have we are trigger machines, guys. We live in this world of triggers because that's what got us into addiction and that's what drove our addiction for so many years. So now you've started to see and understand your addiction triggers right? Your boss yells at you. It makes you want to drink. You go home, you drive by your usual liquor store. Next thing you know, you're pulling into the parking lot. And before you know it, you're sitting in the parking lot and you're drinking Jim Beam, right? You, You know that's a trigger. So now next time that your boss were to get mad at you, right? You've learned better ways to handle that. You stop, you breathe, you think, you evaluate what it was that they're really upset with. You know, you go in, you have a conversation when they're less emotionally triggered. When you're less emotionally triggered, you move on it. You've heard me talk about STEM before. you stop, you think, you evaluate and you move. If you, uh, our insecurities prime us as a default for shame. Our insecurities prime us for the guilt feelings, right? By being aware of what t- triggers this shame within us, then we can stop it before it starts. If you're aware of what triggers you to get angry, if you're aware of what triggers you to have guilt feelings, if you're aware of what triggers you to have shame, then when you see, hear, feel that trigger coming at you, then you can stop it and you can say, okay, did I do something bad or am I bad? And let's just go with the default that we're not bad. So, what did you do that was bad? Ban these triggers from your life, embrace who we are. We have to embrace who we are. This outside world that tries to tell us who we are, that's not going to work. Someone can tell me that I'm a bad person. Only I can truly believe that I'm a bad person. As I dive into this book about shame, uh, again, it's called Homecoming by John Bradshaw. It's really very powerful. If you are uh, emotionally, uh, I wouldn't say, if you're emotionally vulnerable and you find that, you know, you're easily triggered to want to go relapse, I would highly recommend that you don't dive into that book. And He he gives you some uh, ways of deciding whether you're ready for what he's teaching you. And as I go back through all of this shame, I'm very happy that, um, and again, is it shame, is it guilt, humiliation? I'm working through all of that, but I'm much, much much in a better place to be doing this going uh, as I'm completing year three than I would be completing year one. Um, and the number five in this article is make connections. Shame at its essence is a fear of disconnect, right? Whenever I look back at where I have this shame, this guilt from my life, it, a lot of it came from the disconnections that I was having. Think about it. When you get supremely intoxicated, it is really, since the opposite of addiction is connection, then obviously addiction is disconnection. And so when I was disconnected from my family and my friends, from my community, from people in general, from my school, uh, from my spiritual, you know, and again, I'm not a religious guy, but I definitely believe in the universal power and energy that controls all of this that maneuvers all of it, when I became disconnected from that, uh, that is when the shame of my drinking really overwhelmed me, the guilt of my drinking really fueled me, and ultimately it led me right back into drinking, you know, that whole hair of the dog mentality, all right, so when you find that shame is coming at you, when you find that guilt is coming at you. Begin to make connections with with the people in your inner circle. Begin to make connections with the people who love you. They will show you empathy. They will show you compassion. They will be the answer for yourself that you don't have in that moment of weakness, and they will help make you stronger. Just make sure you choose those people wisely, because if you go up to someone that you think is going to offer you support, and they don't, or they reject you, or they negate you, that no matter what you say, they're always they're just they're they're not listening to hear, they're listening to respond, then you're gonna feel a sense of rejection, right? And that's gonna fuel resentment. And once you've started down the path of resentment, it's just going to lead to more rejection. And before you know it, you're gonna have this whole fuck this shit, I'm out of here kind of mentality with them. And where do you go from there? Do you go back to the bottle, you go back to the needle, you go back to the straw? right? Let's just nip all that in the bud. Let's see what our triggers are and make connections knowing that that triggers us to be vulnerable. That triggers us to open our hearts to love. And that triggers us to actually see ourselves as human. Other humans act like us. We are human. I strive for perfection in my life. And it is ridiculous that I do that. I cannot be perfect. I will make mistakes. I have to release this idea that I am without fault, that I am without judgment, and that I am without mistakes, right? I'm going to judge myself. I'm going to make mistakes. It's being gentle on myself when I do that. And it's understanding that what I'm doing and what I'm going through are things other people have gone through as well. And if I reach out and I make a connection with those kind of people, they're going to be able to help guide me in areas where I am not as experienced, that's why I launched this show. I don't think I know it all. There are days where it is unbearable to be me. <laughs> Just like there are days when it's unbearable to be you. I'm sure there's somebody with 30 years that's learned something from me, and, some, and, and there's somebody out there with three days I could learn something from. It's all a matter of Perspective. And so as you go in and you start to feel shame and you feel guilt and you feel jealousy and you feel these negative emotions, just make sure that you're really aware of yourself in all of this. Bring this negative emotion into light. Untangle what it is that you're feeling. Make sure that it, that it really is shame or guilt or jealousy or humiliation or embarrassment. Unhinge, unhitch what you do from who you are. If we define ourselves by what we do, we have put the power of our happiness in, other, in the hands of others. This comes directly from that article. Do not put happiness in the hands of others. Because if you define yourself by what you do, then you're looking for outside recognition on whether what you just did was good or bad. It'd be like if you're on a desert island and you built yourself shelter and there was no one else around there to see it right, then you are going to be happy that you built yourself shelter because now you get to stay warm. You, would you really? De- would you you might define yourself by, I just built shelter, I'm better, but it's internal. If you were waiting for the outside world to tell you whether the shelter you built was good or not, 10 people could say, well, that's crappy, you'd made it out of palm fronds, and 10 other people could be like, at least it's not raining on you. So don't define yourself by what other people think about your actions. And then recognize your triggers. This is huge. You've been taught this in your meetings. You've been taught this wherever you've gone to learn how to get into your sobriety and move into addiction recovery. You have learned to recognize your triggers. So recognize them when it comes to these negative emotions, shame, jealousy, guilt, humiliation. Recognize the triggers embarrassment, whatever it might be, these are negative emotions. Recognize your triggers, be aware of them, and then start to ban them from your life. Feel, when you start to feel shame, these negative emotions settling into you, identify the feeling behind it before it can amplify. This is something that Brene Brown has said. When you identify it, and then you start to ask yourself, okay, well, and this goes, then the last one on here is make connections. And I think I talked about that enough. I'm over my 30 minutes, so I'm going to wrap up on this, that whenever you have these negative emotions, right around yourself, realize that you're responsible for your actions. You are not responsible for someone else's reaction, response, or actions. You just aren't. You can influence their actions, but you are not responsible for them. And then evaluate what you did or because whatever you, you did something that sparked a negative emotion. If you feel shame, jealousy, guilt, embarrassment, um, whatever it might be, you did something right. You didn't you know, even if it was just laying in your bed on a Sunday and, and sitting in the dark, right. You're only feeling shame about that or guilt because you what other people might think about you. did then ask yourself, why did you do it? What was the driver behind those actions? How can I behave, act, and respond in a better way next time? And then what if a similar situation presents itself in the future? What will I do then based off what I've learned from evaluating it now? And what will my driver then be for why while, while I will react, respond, or just act a different way? Please, guys, reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you think about this episode. Uh, I'm really diving hard into this. I didn't even get into the three different kinds of minds: reasonable, emotional, or wise. Uh, might push that till next week. But really, this is a this is a show where I just see what I feel on any given week, and I bring it to you guys. Uh, so, who knows what I'll feel next week after another whole week of reading uh, Daring Greatly and uh, The Untethered Soul and Homecoming. So, I'll put the name of those books in my show notes. And as always, please treat each other with kindness. Uh, be awesome to one another. Be awesome to yourself. And remember the power of positive energy, release it and flow. Until next week, much love, y'all. Bye bye.